Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hot Lift Eat podcast brought to you by Hot Lift Eat Official. I'm Carter McKenzie here with a new a new co-host this week, old Justin Everly. What's going on, man? What's up, dude? <laughs> it's kind of like the boys are back together a little bit. A little bit, man. It's been a while since I got a chance to be on and I'm stoked to be back. Yeah, heck yeah. From uh, guest to uh, host to... Uh, H-L-E-C-O-O. <laughs> now second time host. <laughs> Moving on up in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're stoked to be talking to our esteemed guest this week. Um, we got Dylan Dowson from Onyx, the one and only, on for this uh, this week's episode. So, Dylan, welcome to the podcast, man. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate the opportunity to catch up with you guys and and chat a little bit. So, thank you, guys. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. So we were talking a little bit before we mashed record. Um, Dylan, maybe you could tell us again where uh, where are you living at and what are your temperatures like right now? You're uh, you must cut out a little bit, Carter, because I we completely missed that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, you know, fill us in a little bit. Where are you at and what are your temperatures like now? Yeah, so I'm in Western Montana. So uh, I'm originally from Eastern Montana and moved out to Western Montana when I started working for Onyx, which is uh, it's crazy to think it's been about nine years ago. Um, but uh, I've always always lived in Montana, born and raised, just on a nine hour drive, different uh, side of the state now. But uh, yeah, it's it's cold. I mean, we're early. What are we? Early mid January, I guess I could say now. Um, Last uh, couple days ago, I think we saw negative 40, I think it was 5 or 46 or something with wind chill. So it's a, a different level of cold. It went from a super mild, uh, no snow, really warm temperatures to we still don't have all that much snow. We got some some that came in that drifted up. But, yeah, it was, it was cold for a few days. But I think we're on the back half of it. It's going to warm up from here. And uh, I'm actually scheduled to go to Texas for an odd ad hunt here in a couple weeks. So. Looking forward to temperatures down there. Even uh, forty degrees right now is going to feel like a like a heat wave. Negative forty to forty is a big swing. Yeah, literally ten minutes before this podcast, I was running outside. I was doing our uh, workout for today, and I was cold and feeling a little sorry for myself. And then I was like, Ah, Justin and D Dylan got it a little little colder, and Justin was out for a ruck yesterday, freezing his face off. So I can't really feel sorry for myself. Oh man, that that was a that was a nice ruck. It was it was a slight bit chilly, and I, I had to take the challenge from some of the other guys. Man, they all had uh, frozen stashes and beards, and I figured I wanted to play along too. Love it. Well, cool, man. Dylan, tell us a uh, you know tell us a little bit about how you got involved in Onyx and kind of the scope of your role, because uh, you know Justin and I, along with probably all of our listeners, are huge fans of the app as a whole, man. So you know, how did you get involved? Yeah, so I, first and foremost, like going all the way back to my childhood, I mean, hunting is, was always a passion of mine. So like, whether I worked in a hunting industry related, you know, role or not, like my thing is hunting, like, I try to stay in shape for hunting season, like hunting is my, you know, outside of family and religion and other, you know, main aspects of life. But like, outside of all that, like hunting is my thing um, that I that keeps me moving forward. And tries to, you know, keep me constantly on top of my game and wanting to go pursue that. So um, 
I mean, honestly, that in and of itself is is kind of what started started uh, my career path at OnX is I was a user of the product. Um, and so I've been there, like I said, about nine years. Um, I actually came in on the, the ground floor in customer service. So at the time, I was the, the one and only customer service rep. So a lot has changed in the last nine years. Um, we've got a, a lot more customers, a lot more employees. Uh, when I first started, you know, you knew everybody that you were working with. And now, you know, we've just grown to uh, to a point of a company where somebody will walk in the front door of the office and I have no idea if they work there, or if they're just visiting. Um, you know, obviously it's still a pretty tight knit company, but we've we've got a lot of folks now. So um, I did customer service for a couple of years and answered anybody's questions as far as uplo- updating their their chip software for their Garmin GPSs. Um, at the time, the app was out, um, but it was in its pretty early stages. So um, I would say at the time, I mean, maybe 15 to 20 percent of our customers were actually on the app on their phone. As to today, I mean, we don't even offer the chip product anymore. It's solely on the app on the phone. So, um, yeah, a lot has changed all for the good. And uh, like I said, I was answering phones and emails for year and a half to two years and then switched over to the marketing side of things. And um, as it sits today, I manage all Western big game uh, marketing. So I work a lot with our ambassadors, our relationships without throughout the industry, um, TV personalities, YouTube folks, writers, you name it. Um, so I manage all those relationships and then also work a lot with just day to day marketing for for Western big game. That's awesome, man. And you, you know, you mentioned briefly, like going back to the beginning, um, kind of about your upbringing and how hunting was everything, man. Tell us a, a little bit more about that. What what kind of hunting did you grow up doing, and maybe how'd you get introduced to it? Yeah, so my dad uh, introduced me to it. I remember, shoot, I remember like four or five years old taking along with him um, on almost every hunt from then on forward. So I've got pictures, you know, just. Uh, super super young with him and one of his best mule deer uh actually his best mule deer he's ever shot and i was right by his side on opening morning i actually remember that day like it was yesterday and i think i was five years old so um you know it's just part of part of me growing up was was hunting with him and uh pretty much i mean montana's cool in the fact that we have so much opportunity here within the the state i mean it's pretty dang cheap for me to go get, um, you know, they call it like the sportsman's combo, but elk license, deer license, bear license, turkey, upland, fishing, like everything you need for like the main uh, tags for around a hundred bucks a year. So it's ridiculously cheap as a resident. The opportunities are pretty great. Um, I better watch what I'm saying. Otherwise more people are going to try to move to Montana. We are very full. So uh, no more room for more residents, but, uh, I mean, pretty much all throughout the year, like any time of the year, you know, it's January and I, uh, I could be out hunting wolves or lions right now. So there's always a season, lots of cool stuff going on. So my point there is like for a long time in my life and, and hunting lifestyle, all I ever hunted was Montana, um, started to look into other States and build points probably five or six years ago knowing, okay, eventually I'm going to want to hunt some other states, some more opportunities. Um, I really like hunting brand new areas, brand new species, things that I know nothing about. I mean, if I'm going to hunt mule deer or elk in my home state of Montana, like, yeah, you can go to new areas and learn what that herd, what those elk are doing in that area. But I mean, I've done it 
how many years now? 15, 20 years. So um, kind of got the ropes under there. And I really like hunting new species, new states. So anyways, I uh, started accumulating points. And then kind of my goal over the past three to four years is do at least one out-of-state hunt a year. So I've got a young family. I've got uh, two young boys, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and one that's eight or nine months old. And uh, it's it's tough to get out and do a ton of hunts, especially in the fall when I've got uh, a busy work schedule and then my own personal hunts as well. But, uh, yeah, my goal is to do, like, one out-of-state hunt a year at least. So it's been cool. It's been uh, really fun and, and rewarding to go check out some new states and, and new opportunities lately. Yeah, it's awesome, man. That's, uh, you know, we have a lot in common there. I, I have the same goal. <clears throat> I want to budget enough money to go on one out-of-state hunt a year. Um, that's that's the ultimate goal every fall. I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, uh, two girls, and, you know, a lot of parallels there. And, you know, we, we talked about our shared buddy, Tyler Jensen. Shout out to Big Sky Ty. Um, you know, you, you mentioned building points in other states. And the cool thing about... Uh, where you live, Arkansas, um, is that it's so big, you know, uh, you can go hunt new areas like you were mentioning, you know, uh, not to blow up your spot, but you can go hunt new areas and go see new things. And I try to convince Tyler to come hunt other Western States every year. And he's like, no offense to, but I don't, I don't have to, right. There's so much opportunity and, and the hunting's so good, man. And, you know, with uh, block management and state land and so much public land, there's a ton of opportunity there. So it's, you know, really phenomenal place, uh, to, to grow up. I'm, I'm envious of that background a little bit, man. Yeah, no, I, uh, I have to remind myself, you know, it's one of those things when you're surrounded by it your whole life, you kind of forget how good you have it. And then, uh, when you do talk to some other folks and it's, it's easy to look on the man, I wish I lived there because of all that opportunity. Like I work, we're out in Canada right now. So we re released the product up in Canada last year. And, uh, you know, I'm talking to folks that live up north in BC and they're hunting sheep every year, mountain goats every year. And to me, that's like a dream hunt that maybe if I get lucky someday, I might be able to make happen once, right? Um, they get to do it every single year. So it's easy to look on the other side of the fence and, and see it greener and be like, man, I wish I could hunt sheep as a resident or i wish i could hunt you know big giant alaskan moose if i was a resident but you know you definitely realize especially talking with other folks that you know they can only hunt certain states even residents you know you you can't hunt elk every year you can't hunt deer mule deer every year so if i really stop and think about it um super blessed and fortunate but uh it's it's crazy when you when you're in the same spot all your life it's like yeah it's just kind of what you do, you know, you, you don't really realize how, how cool of an opportunity it actually is. Yeah. What a blessing to work for a company that understands a passion for, for hunting. Um, you know, I feel like not everybody gets that opportunity where you get to take off time during, during the fall to go, uh, chase whatever critter you're chasing. So that's, that's gotta be pretty sweet. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And I mean, honestly, a lot of these cool opportunities have done through work, which is, which is crazy. I mean, if you would have asked me, 10, 15 years ago, if I could ever see myself like Kodiak, Alaska, for example, I went there on a, a work hunt, right? We went and hunt, hunted blacktail on Kodiak. And I mean, uh, if, if I were to ask myself 10 to 15 years ago, would you ever see yourself getting paid to, to go to Kodiak on a hunt? Like I would have laughed. There's, there's no way. So it uh, definitely is 
is pretty pretty surreal and uh, get to do some really cool opportunities. Last year, went to Colorado and did a, a super fun mule deer hunt down there for work. Um, this past season, I did uh, my first Colombian blacktail hunt over in Oregon. Uh, that was a, a work content hunt. So, yeah, I mean, personal hunts and and work hunts. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. I get to do some some cool stuff, especially uh, when I don't have to take time off and uh, cover some work boxes as well. All right, dude. Kodiak blacktail is my dream hunt. How awesome was it? It uh, man, Kodiak going into it. I it was my first time being in Alaska um hunting and going into it i was like you know it probably wouldn't be my top top bucket list alaska hunt um like it's it's gonna be super fun to go to alaska check out kodiak i heard how wild it was um and i was like obviously beyond stoked to to get up there and do it um i didn't know how like how fun hunting sitka blacktail was going to be until i was there like it went from being like, okay, I want to go do it to experience it. And then I'll check it off the list. If I go back to Alaska, I'll probably do X, Y, or Z, do something different to when I was leaving Kodiak, I remember just being on the plane, looking at Kodiak as we were leaving. And it's just like, I like, I would love to come back and do this same hunt every single year for the rest of my life. Like it, it would never get old. It would never be like, oh yeah, it's just, you know, another Kodiak hunt. It was such an amazing place. Um, just so wild and like you start hiking around on Kodiak and I mean I I do it even here in Montana I'm looking up at mountains right now that I've been in and you know it makes you feel small but there's something about Kodiak you start hiking through the brush and seeing giant you know brown bear tracks and seeing brown bears and just everything on that island that made you feel so ridiculously small it was it was awesome if you're ever looking for a plus one man I got you I would love to go (laughs) yeah no i i want to get up there again i think shoot that's probably been three or four years ago now that i was up there and and did that it was it was cool we did a a boat-based hunt so we stayed on a boat um i think there was like eight or nine of us guys plus the the captain and uh yeah it was it was a blast like every morning waking up on the boat to the the giant uh chain link anchor getting pulled up and then we'd go get on the skiff and, and go to shore and hunt for the day and come back and eat great food. And um, not going to lie, it was kind of nice being on the boat, not having to worry about, uh, you know, a giant Kodiak brown bear coming sniffing through our tent in the middle of the night. So that part was kind of cool. Uh, did a little fishing and yeah, man, it was, it was awesome. It's like a just crazy level of adventure, man. And I think Carter's right. I think there has to be an on X HLE hunt coming up <laughs> and it probably should be out there yeah yeah i'll go to watch man i'm just i'm just trying to learn i'm just trying to learn to hunt man so sitting here listening to this i'm like it's mind-blowing like straight mind-blowing dude because you know i I grew up in colorado i've been here for 42 years and in my 43rd year i'm finally gonna go hunting so i'm that guy right but that's why i'm stoked to kind of be a be a part of what's going on here because i get to hear these great stories i get to team up with guys like you and and really learn more about you know what it takes to to go crush some of these ultimate adventures. Yeah, no, uh, better, better late than never for sure. I mean, uh, like I said, I hunted Colorado for the very first time last year and it was, it was awesome. Like it was, it was super cold. It was third season, uh, rifle mule deer and we were at pretty high, like where I shot my buck, I think we we're at like 10, two or 10, three. Um, so 
camped at pretty high elevation, like froze our butts off. We're, we stayed in the wall tent. Like is one of those where if you don't, if somebody doesn't wake up in the middle of the night to stoke the fire, you're going to have frost on your sleeping bag in the morning. So it was, that was just, just another adventure and super cool to come. You know, I've been in Colorado a few different times, um, but to come there for a hunt and set up a wall tent with uh, a group of awesome guys and endure the the crazy cold. Like there was one, one day, I mean, this was middle of the day, not even at night uh, where we stopped to glass some mule deer and we all pulled out our packs and stuff. And I went to, went to make a meal or something like boil some water. And I had a, a couple of Nalgene's and they were inside my backpack inside of a puffy to try and keep them warm. And like, it was just frozen solid, like had no water. Cause it was so cold that in my backpack in a puffy, uh, the water had frozen. So just, yeah, being with a, a good group of guys like that for a little over a week. And, uh, we all tagged out like Colorado was a blast. That's another one too. Like I want to go back every couple of years and hunt it. Um, I've got one point now cause I burned my points on that hunt, but, um, every two to three years, I want to get down to Colorado and, and check out a new area. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was cool. Shot my best meal deer on the last day of the hunt and couldn't have, couldn't have nice. been any, any better really. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome, awesome. man. I, I, uh, I had a great conversation the other day with a guy who's trying to build out kind of a, uh, a Western hunt one one Right. And I, I took a whole bunch of guff from him right away when he was like, so wait, how old are you again? And you haven't hunted out there yet. And he, he's telling me stories left and right. He's from PA. So it's, uh, it's, it's exciting, right. To be able to have this in my backyard, but I'm stoked to kind of take advantage. I, I, if you get out to Colorado, man, love to hook up and, and, uh, tag along for that experience, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll, we'll stay in touch for sure. So Dylan, what's, uh, what's 2024 looking like from a, uh, Dylan perspective and an Onyx perspective? Yeah, 24. I'm actually trying to figure that out myself right now. So that's a good question. Um, so mid-January, a lot of applications are due. Non-resident elk in Wyoming is one of those right around the corner. Really should have my mind made up if I'm going to cash in my points and do it this year or not. Um, a couple of weeks out, but still don't know. So um, might potentially be going to Alaska. There's a couple things in the works. Um, for a caribou hunt, um, nothing set in stone yet, but that one would be super cool. That'd be an archery caribou hunt in, I think, August, uh, which would be really cool because it doesn't overlap with any of my personal hunts, my elk hunts or anything in Montana. Um, obviously, Alaska is awesome. Taking a bow up there would be pretty cool and hunting caribou. Um, yeah, Wyoming elk is, is kind of the other one. And again, like I said, I've got... Uh, I've got multiple points in, in some different states for different species. Um, I've got six elk points in Wyoming, so I should be able to draw um, a general tag with that. Um, they made a lot of changes this year as far as their different zones and stuff, but should still be able to pull a general tag with that. It's just it's like one of those I don't want to – I don't ever want to plan too much in one year because um, I know a few other opportunities will probably pop up like later in the year. And so it's like, okay, if I, I'm trying to think objectively about it, like if I decide to go, if, if the Alaska thing works out and I can go to Alaska in August, then September and October I've, and November, I've got a lot of hunts here in Montana for, for my personal stuff. Um, like, do I have time to effectively do Wyoming? 
or, you know, I've built six years of points. Am I going to potentially draw Wyoming and then not have enough time to like really take advantage and, and put a cool hunt together? Um, Cause that's one thing I don't want to do, you know, waste six years of points and all that time. And then, you know, kind of half asset or, or anything like that. So trying to figure that out right now, but probably one of the two, either Alaska or Wyoming. And then uh, you never know a few other things popped up. Like last year I tried to draw an elk tag in Oregon didn't work out and uh, they've got an over the counter opportunity for uh Colombian blacktail. So it's like, well, we're already invested in Oregon for a few hundred bucks to try and get that elk tag. It didn't pan out. What can we do over the counter? And so just went and picked up a, a blacktail tag and went and hunted over there with, uh, with the born and raised crew that we work with. And um, yeah, so there's always some really cool opportunities like over the counter stuff last minute as well. But it's uh, I, I, sh- feel like I should know what my plan is this year, but still a little bit up in the air. What about you guys though? Before I tell you my plan, Justin, Dylan just hit you with the best gold nugget, a seasoned veteran of advice right there. Don't overbook your fall because opportunities will show up. Uh, It took me me a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Get your pen, (laughs) write that down. I'm not making any plans because you guys are making them all for me right now. So I'm I'm set. (laughs) It's my job to get in shape. And just have the gear. That, that's how I look at it. Yeah, that's the truth, man. I, I think I overextended last last fall. Um, went on my first elk hunt in Colorado, and um, and then we went on an antelope hunt in Wyoming. And I think with the family back here in Georgia, it was and all the whitetail hunting and stuff I want to do here. You know, I think it was a bit much for everybody involved. But well, you guys uh, went back to back to back to back, didn't you? I mean, yeah. yeah. My wife was a champ. That's but that's, uh, uh, that's what I've learned yeah. too, is just to spread it out a little bit. So here in like two weeks, um, actually, yeah, exactly two weeks, my dad and I are going to Texas for an odd ad hunt. And so super excited about that. And it was one of those, when we were talking to the guy we're meeting up with down there, it's like, yeah, the best time to come is October in the middle of the rut for odd ad. I was like, man, I've got so much stuff going on in October, like elk hunts. If I, if I haven't shot a bull yet, I'm still hunting elk uh antelope hunts i had an antelope hunt in october in montana this year deer hunting starts in montana i was like if i'm gonna go do that because odd is a species you can hunt year round there's not like a a season on them uh down there anyway so i was like if i'm gonna go do that i'm gonna go in january or february like yeah the hunting might not be quite as good it's not peak rut like you know it's not gonna be as good technically but if i can go in january when I have nothing else going on, like, again, yeah, I could hunt lions or wolves around here and I, I do that here or there, but, um, for the most part, outside of some work travel and in early, I guess in the middle of winter, I don't have a whole lot of personal hunting trips. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go in January and we'll, uh, we'll sacrifice a little bit, you know, quality of a hunt to go in a time of year where I'm not going to feel like super stressed out about being gone for a week. It's a good strategy. And you're hunting, right? You're getting away from the negative 40 and you're hunting. Yep. Yeah, it's cool to it's cool yeah, to I'm, mix it up because I mean again, outside of lion and wolves or predator hunting, coyote hunting here in Montana, I'm not a big duck hunter myself. I mean, I, I go and when I'm invited and always have a, a blast, but it's just not not one of my main passions of hunting. And uh so I mean, typically this time of year I would be dreaming of September and bugling bulls, which I still am, but 
also here in a couple of weeks have a, a really cool hunt and brand new adventure that I've never done coming up. So something to look forward to in the, the off season is pretty cool. It's awesome. Yeah, I've got six elk points in Wyoming too, and I'm having the same. I'm in the same headspace you are, man. I'm like, I should have this locked in. I should know. Like, we're getting what is it, the sixteenth? Like, I should have this figured out. But it's like that's six years of my life, and I want to be able to dedicate, like you were saying, enough time to the hunt to be a six. I've never killed an elk, and uh, I I covet that so badly. Like, I want it so bad. Um, yeah, you know, you just want to play it the best way possible totally yeah no i uh i mean i grew up in montana where you can elk hunt every year and i honestly feel uh felt the same way about elk for forever i mean it took me a long time and it was a super long learning curve um super long learning curve to uh finally get it done on elk and then just build off of that and keep it like keep the momentum rolling but uh six points in wyoming like even with the the regular uh, outside of the special draw, you should be able to, to pull a, a general, which is nice. Save you about 15, uh, 1400 bucks. Yeah, no kidding, man. It's getting wild out there for non-residents. Yeah. Yeah, I know it, it is for sure. It's, they changed it this year. So, uh, a regular outside of a special is still, I believe 700 some bucks. Don't quote me on that. And then, uh, the special is almost $2,000 now. So, pretty crazy the difference yeah dude that's wild and uh you know just looking over your instagram dylan you are uh incredibly successful hunter man so what would you suggest to justin across species right you said duck hunting's not your thing what do you think would be a good entry level hunt for justin to get his toes wet in the big game western hunting world yeah i like no, that's that a good question. question whether it be for you personally or anybody like that's a, a great question and um a couple that i would recommend like spring bear if you're into bear hunting some people it's not their thing um if you are into bear hunting like spring is such a good time to be out in the mountains like it's so cool uh spring bear hunting is 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 cool because like here in montana we can't bait, we can run hounds, but I don't personally know anybody that does it. It's all spot and stock. So you're getting in a lot of the elements of like a, like a meal deer hunt or a, another big game hunt. And it's springtime. You don't got much else going on. And uh, there's plenty of bears to be, to be found if you're willing to hike a little bit and sit in glass for, um, you know, hours on end. It's uh it's a super cool hunt. So spring bear also too, it's like the barrier of entry is, is super low. I believe for non-resident, it's under 300 bucks all in on a, a bear tag. So it's, it's relatively inexpensive compared to elk, deer, anything else. And then um, another one is I would start building points for antelope. So antelope is one of those hunts where if you're not in, extremely picky, looking for a very specific caliber of buck, I mean, if you come out to Montana and hunt a unit with pretty good amount of public land, like you should be able to fill an antelope tag. Um, you know, you're going to see a bunch of them. Uh, you can cruise around and glass even from, from the pickup, you know, find some, some antelope on public land and go make a stock and super fun hunt. Uh, they're super, super cool animal. I shot, uh, one of my better bucks this past year and 
kind of one of those things, again, growing up in Montana, I was able to get an antelope tag every single year until it's been five or six years ago, but uh, the draw odds drastically declined on them. They had a couple rough winters where um, really hurt the, the antelope population. And thankfully the state of Montana stepped in and said, we're not going to give the same number of tags out with the, the herds in bad shape. So it went from growing up every single year hunting antelope to probably every two to three years, I should be able to draw a tag now, um, depending on what unit you're hunting. Some units obviously are a lot more, but um, it's just a super fun hunt, like really cool animal. You get on a lot of stocks, you get to look at a lot of antelope and as a non-resident or a new hunter, I would say that uh, opportunity wise, it's, it's pretty tough to beat. I like the idea that spring bear, because I, I, I love spring here in Colorado, man. Like I get out, I'm a, I'm a fi- I, my background's fishing, right, man. So like, yes. I, I, I can't wait till spring, but I would love the opportunity to get out and do something like that. And like, when you're talking about a, you know, spot and stock and glassing and sitting in the hills all day, man, during spring, I'd be all, I'd be all for that, man. Even if I didn't get a, get a chance, you know, either way. So I, I'm going to look into that one, man, because for a $300 all in to kind of get started there, that, that seems like a pretty low barrier of entry for a, an opportunity in the springtime out here. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I mean, uh, bear hunting is one of those things, especially all I can really speak to is, I guess I've hunted a few other States. I've hunted, uh, Idaho and Washington for bear as well. Um, and shot bears in both of those States, but it's, it's fun because it is a challenge. Like if you're going out antelope hunting to contrast, like you should be able to find antelope every day. Like if you went a day without seeing an antelope, it'd be pretty surprising. Um, at least in the areas that I typically hunt, if not, you know, 50 or a hundred antelope in a day, uh, just depending on the day and, and how everything's going. But like bear, you know, we've had some nights where you're seeing eight to 10 bears a night, but you might be seeing them, but they're a long ways off and out of those eight bears. And that's a really, really good night. That's pretty uncommon. Um, but for example, out of those eight bears you spot on one of those amazing nights where you're just seeing bears everywhere, there might be one or two that you can make a play on and actually go after and have a chance of, of getting within range and get making it happen. So, um, I mean, more nights than I can count more time, more days than I can count, you know, you spend behind glass and hiking all day and don't see a bear they're there. Um, but they're, they're a tough animal to, to pick out and to make happen. So it's, uh, it's a challenging hunt and because it's challenging, it's super rewarding as well. So I, it's, you know, it's up there on, on my list for sure. So would you rank Colorado kind of in the top couple spots as a, you know, spot to go after a bear? Or, I mean, you're talking about, you get to go to Kodiak and all that stuff too. It's like, (laughs) where does Colorado rank for you if you're going bear hunting? Honestly, I do not have much expertise with Colorado and bear hunting. Um, I'm I'm not sure how that season is even like structurally laid out. So Montana, you know, my home state is pretty much where, where I'm used to bear hunting and I've I've hunted Idaho a couple of times, hunted Washington once. Um, Both those are are great places as well. But uh, yeah, to be honest, I'm not really sure how Colorado bear is laid out if that's an over the counter or what the seasons are like there. I should look into it though. Yeah. No, after this, I'm going to have to. So I'll report back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's probably a lot cheaper there for residents. I don't, I don't know, but like, you know, when I say under 300 bucks, you could come to Montana and do it. That's as a non-resident, like 
for me, it's uh, less than a $20 tag on top of all my other stuff. So it's, it's pretty darn cheap for residents. Out of all the species that you get to hunt consistently, you know, your mule deer and now your, your black tail and your white tail and your elk and your antelope, <clears throat> what's the one that really gets you going, man? Which one gets you the most fired up? Yeah, for me, archery-wise, it's definitely elk. Like, you cannot be screaming bulls in September. Um, it's just, if I had to pick, I think that's what I'd probably pick. Um, my second is mule deer in the rut. So, like, you know, again, in Montana, we're, we're fortunate. We can hunt uh, with a general tag mule deer all the way through November. So, we get we get that rut hunt. Colorado, that hunt we did last year was third season. Um, so that was during the rut as well. But uh, mule deer and elk, and, you know, I've I've done some cool hunts, some other species, but those two are, are pretty tough to beat. Like outside of the bucket list items, right? Like I someday would dream of hunting like doll sheep or something um, or a giant moose in Alaska. But outside of that, like for the ones that I've done, elk with a bow in my hand or mule deer during the rut are, are my two favorites. Yeah. I'm a total, I tell everybody who will listen, I'm totally obsessed with mule deer now, man. I've, I've only killed two. And, uh, one of them was a little forky in your state and, uh, totally obsessed, man. They're just like the coolest, like I'm, I'm just staring at the one over your shoulder, man. Just totally obsessed with them. Yeah, no, they're, it's super cool. It'll be interesting to see long-term, um, like if Montana continues to hunt them in the rut with the general season. Um, I feel like Montana is one of those states we we're more of like an opportunity state than a quality state for management. And uh, it'll just be interesting to see if that changes in the future, just with uh, the numbers dwindling a little bit and having a couple of, of tough seasons. It's pretty crazy that we can hunt them all the way through November with a rifle and a general tag. Um, obviously I love doing it, but uh, wouldn't be opposed to some changes in the future to, you know, maybe have to draw for that particular hunt the last couple of weeks or, or something of that nature. It's a lot of pressure for a species, man. And I'm, you know, admittedly part of the problem probably <clears throat> as a non-resident who came in and then shot a forky on the last day, um, you know, hunted hard for the entire week and just couldn't saw a ton of deer, saw over a hundred deer, um, couldn't find any bucks and uh, shot a forky in the last, literally the, like the ninth inning ended up missing my flight and uh pulled the trigger on that forky and uh the reason i did it is that, that tag was eight hundred dollars for a non-resident and you know i wanted to go home with something and uh yeah with that kind of thinking leads to you know like you said an opportunity state with diminished uh deer population and, and herds and you know probably not as large and healthy and as good of genetics as possible so there's a lot to a lot to consider there for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting, especially when you look into how other states manage and just the the differences from state line to state line of how they manage their their populations and their tags and whatever. And like, I certainly don't fault you for for shooting a buck on the last day. Eight hundred dollar tag is super expensive. You hunted your butt off, and like, so I I totally understand, you know, the the urge to do that on the last day, and don't fault anybody who 
who does that? Um, you know, especially if they're happy with whatever they're pulling the trigger on, that's, that's the main thing. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy looking at other States for management, Colorado, again, was my first experience there. And really outside of Montana and Colorado, I haven't hunted mule deer in any, any other state. So, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy going down to Colorado. Cause again, like we had third season. So I think we had, was it six or seven, six or seven days. And that's like, you can start hunting this day, you end hunting this day and that is it. Montana, you know, with your general, you can come out for more than a month. Um, I think it's like five or six weeks in and hunt deer. So it's, it is pretty interesting looking at the differences and nuances from, from state to state. I don't think, I don't think any, any state really has it all figured out, but, uh, uh, a blend of, well, Colorado does this and that's nice. And Idaho does this and that's nice. Um, it'd be kind of nice to cherry pick and, and, uh, figure out what works best. For sure, man. And oftentimes I think the decisions made are not always made what's best for the species and the population, right? Sometimes it's profit driven. I think we might've lost you again there, Carter. Oh, I said, uh, sometimes, you know, the, the best decision is, uh, not always what's best for the species or the population, but, uh, profit driven. Yeah. I would say more often than not, probably. Yeah. That's too bad, man. But cool. Well, uh, you know, switching gears a little bit, Dylan, can we talk a little bit about the amazing app that you work for? Yeah. Got any questions? Fire them away. Dude, all right. What what do you love about it? What's your favorite? Honestly, there's there? so much. Yeah, yeah. There's so much to it. Um, the the one thing I really like about it is it is a huge up level. Like it really really aids in in people's success. But how I'm going to go about using it and how you two might use it are completely different. So it's not like it automatically just just up levels all of the playing field to to the same level. Um, you, you really have to get in there and learn how to read a map and understand, you know, okay, what do elk do this time of day and how can I correlate that to the map? So we give the tools to, to help folks be successful and put themselves in the right spots. Um, but it's still on everybody to, to use the tools effectively and to have that knowledge and really that the hunting background and knowledge to again, figure out, okay, you know, what, where's that elk herd going to be this time of day? Where can I best set up for this evening based on the conditions and everything else around? So, um, there's just so much to it. Like the, the obvious reason for pretty much anybody to, to first buy the app and get, get into it is private public boundaries, game management units. Like, is it legal where I'm at? Can I cross this fence line? Can I not? Is that private? Is it public? Like, I mean, out here in Montana, as you're well aware of now, Carter, like there's, so many areas that aren't fenced there's no sign saying private or public you you it's up to you to know and then with the app like you can look and say okay five yards in front of us it changes from state land to private land there's no fence there's no signs or anything but if you cross that that invisible boundary on a private you're now trespassing so um yeah, I mean, that's, that, yeah that's like the the obvious reason for most people to get it um, but then the, the tool set and the features that go beyond that are really, I think what, what are super useful, um, like our new compass mode, for example, 
I don't know if you've played around with that much, but super cool new feature where if I, let's just say Spring Bear, since we were talking about that, so many times it, in the past, like thinking back to several times, like you'll see a bear or even shoot a bear across a canyon and then be like, oh, sweet, let's just, you know, hike down to the bottom of this drainage, back up and, you know, either get on them or go recover this bear that we just shot across canyon. Then you get over there and you're looking around at each other like, man, I don't know if we're five feet from this bear or, you know, 500 yards. Like everything looks different. You have no idea where you're at. It's so easy to look across a, a drainage and say like, oh yeah, it's just by that tree. Let's, let's go. And then you get over there and have no idea. So for example, with the new compass mode feature, um, you can pull out your rangefinder and range. Let's just say, you know, you range exactly where that bear dropped and it was whatever, 543 yards. And then you pull out compass mode and you, you go to the rangefinder tool, you line your phone up in the direction that was go to 543, bam, mark a waypoint. Now you've got a waypoint that's within feet or a few yards at most. Um, if you're doing it precisely and now you've got a point on the map that you can see your location see where that waypoint is and now you've got a starting point so when you do get over there and it's like man i don't know if it's this tree or that tree another hundred yards up up the hill from me you can just look at your phone look at the waypoint um and go to that and it's a really good starting point so like that's one example of uh, a newer feature that is just an absolute game changer yeah i love how innovative onyx is as a whole always growing always adapting new features every year um like you said i remember in 2018 was my first western hunt and i bought the chip right and now it's it's so outdated it's like hilarious right which is like arguably was not that long ago um and so you guys have done a really good job staying on top of and up to date um and modern with it you know could you talk a little you mentioned it a little bit but could you talk about how maybe Justin and I could use or how people use the mapping system differently, right? For different types of hunters, like maybe like from a beginner point of view to a, you know, season, more seasoned hunter, right? Cause like, if you can't read a topo map, uh, then that the topo lines aren't going to help you. Like you mentioned. That's, that's, that's where I was going to like step in is like the, the way that I would use it, the way that you use it are vastly different. Right. And, some of the things that I'd love you to touch on too, Dylan, are, you know, the, the master class and the office hours, man, because I think that's something else that you guys do that's like next level is you help everybody understand how to use the tool that you've given them that they've paid for. Right. So yeah, definitely yeah. just tagging onto that question. For sure. And yeah, I mean, I realize like I'm in it pretty much every day, if not every day, like it's my work. I'm also really passionate about hunting and I think about it 24 seven, 365. And we realize a lot of our customers, a vast majority of our customers are not that way. They might, uh, you know, pick up a deer license and go hunt for an extended weekend one, one time a year. Right. So a lot of our customers are, are that type of folk as well. And they're probably not, you know, in January figuring out like studying the map, trying to figure out where they're going to hunt this next year. Um, it is a super complex product. A lot of people are afraid of the technology. They, you know, think that they're not going to be able to understand it. That's where those office hours and some of the webinars do come in. So I'm glad you touched on that. Um, basically, it's a, a webinar program that we offer. The office hours is pretty much just to ask questions about the product and to go through the product. So um, 
folks can find those on our website. If you just type in on X hunt webinars, we've got a, a page set up where you can go through and sign up for different ones. We just did one. I did one about a week ago with uh, our good partners over at hunt and fool talking specifically about Wyoming non-resident elk changes, like what's coming, like as a, a non-resident, what do I need to know? What has changed this year, et cetera. So it really varies all the way from next week. We have one about shed hunting coming up. So I'm going to work with um, some really good ambassadors of ours who get after it during shed hunting on that one, all the way back to the fundamentals and basics of the product. So um, again, I'd say check those out, like get signed up, especially if you're new to the app or not even new to the app, because I would say, you know, just kind of throwing numbers out here. I don't have anything to back this up, but I would say 80% of our customer base uses 10% or less of, of the app's functionality capability. Um, you know, a lot of people have marked a couple of waypoints and that's about it. So they, the, the compass mode that I was just talking to about remotely and accurately and quickly marking a precise distance in dropping a waypoint on a specific object at a known distance. Like most people have never looked at that. They have no idea it even exists because, um, you know, a lot of different folks are pulling out the app and saying, yep, I'm on public or, you know, let's take a turn right up here and then we'll get to our campground and then, you know, put the app in their put the, the phone back in their pocket until they need to check a boundary again. So there's just so much detail and layers, um, especially you, you, look at the the data that we provide like historic wildfire layers or roadless area layers or the mvum to see what what roads are open at what time of year there's so much that goes into it uh crop layers historic um imagery where you can see like two two week increments imagery back all the way for a year uh there's there's a lot to to unpack and those office hours are a really good spot to to start I was going to say that was probably the biggest barrier of entry when I first got it right was really quickly. I realized just how robust the tool was. Right. And so I was like, holy crap, where do I start? Um, mm -hmm. So I got to just applaud you guys for the office hours and, and those classes. Right. Because it's helped guys like me and my cousin, who's also a newbie hunter, use the tool to uh, we're probably like more like your 20 percent capacity goal to get to like 50 percent. Right. But that I mean, the tool is just so robust that it's great that you offer that for all of us to be able to finally understand and how to, and use it for what it really is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, one of the things that I always tell people and it really, you know, I've been saying this for eight years and it really still holds true is I recommend people just spending time in it. Like if you're at home on your couch and not much is going on, you don't like the show that's, that's on or whatever, like pull out your phone, like tap, touch every button. You're not going to break it. Um, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to remove some, some information, some data from the map that you can always just turn it right back on. So, uh, that's always my feedback is, you know, those office hours are great. Call our customer service. There's a lot of, uh, tutorials and just helpful information on YouTube that we put out. But if you spend even just 30 minutes and just go through and turn layers off, turn them back on, uh, see what that does to your map, like drop waypoints, edit waypoints, add photos, to your waypoint, change the color, add notes, like just poke around and touch every button in the app. Like that's probably going to be the best way to, to, uh, become a little bit more efficient with it. You can add photos to your waypoints. <laughs> yeah. Old news. 
No See, way. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a good, that's a good that example. Carter, what the hell, man? <laughs> but that's, uh, that's a great example of, uh, you know, you're, you're very efficient in the app and there's always things within there that uh, people just aren't utilizing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, photos, there's a lot of different use cases. Like if I shoot a, an elk and drop a waypoint where, where that harvest was, like I'll drop a, you know, harvest photo in there with some notes, whatever. Um, elk wallow, for example. So I can have 50 different waypoints of elk wallows, but then two years go by and I'm like, man, what was that wallow like? Like I'm thinking about hunting that same area again. Now I just tap on the waypoint of the wallow and there's a photo of, you know, exactly what that wallow and what that opening looked like. So um, ton, tons of different use cases for that, like glassing points. I've been doing that a lot lately. Um, bear hunting, for example, like you'll get up to a glassing point and either like it or not really like it, depending on what you can or can't see from there. And so I've been dropping waypoints for those. And then I'll just pull out my phone, hit add photo, and then take a, a picture from the glassing point. So that way, you know, I can reference that in the future if I want to go back there or, if you guys are coming out to Montana, I can send you that waypoint and say, Hey, here's a waypoint. It automatically drops in your phone. And now all you do is tap it and scroll down and you can see exactly what, what your view from that glassing point is going to look like. You can then look and be like, ah, I don't really like it. Can't really see anything or what you can see is going to be out outside of a shooting distance. Um, a lot of different things there. So I could add notes to it. Like I could put detailed notes for any particular waypoint. And then when I share it with you, you guys have all those notes as well. So lots of, lots of different use cases there. Yeah. That's an awesome feature, man. And I love also like just the versatility, like <clears throat> even if you're not, you know, hunting X amount of days a year or, or fishing or whatever. Uh, I just used it yesterday to go show my mom a house down the road that was for sale. Um, and we were just looking, I was showing her the property lines and how it backed up to the, uh, to the lake here and army Corps of engineer property was all outlined and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I was, I was explaining it all to her and she was like, this is amazing. I was like, I know, right. This is incredible. And, uh, she's never been hunting in her entire life. And she was like, that tells you who owns all these properties and, and where everything is. I'm like, right. It's, it's incredible. Do you ever, do you ever think about like, you probably do, but like people just used to trespass, right? Like before anything like this on accident, sometimes unintentionally, but like it takes the guesswork out of it. Yeah. I mean, it really, it keeps people honest for sure. I mean, I know before this tool, like, you know, when I was super young, a lot of, and it, it used to not be as big of a deal. And I can only really speak for the areas that I'm familiar with, but, um, I think people sometimes also used it as a crutch. Like, I don't know if that's private or public. So I'm going to just, it looks like public mm. to me. Right. And then they go, go do what they want to do. But now like, there's no excuse, you know, for, you know, 30 bucks a year for one state, like for whatever state you're in it or a hundred bucks a year for all 50 Canada and you know, the whole suite of elite um, benefits there. Like there's, there's no way that you, you can't find that information. So um, I think it's, it's keeping a lot of people more honest than, than what it did prior to this product. Yeah. And that's massive, man. That's doing good for the hunting community as a whole, right? When 
sometimes the the hunting community is looked at through a microscope lens. I think that's really important, the the honesty portion and having good intentions and ethics, um, which is another thing I like about your company too. Can you talk a little bit about how Onyx is involved in various conservation efforts? Yeah, we work with uh, some of the best, if not the best in the business, I would say the best in the business. Um, I mean, we work with so many different orgs and groups and we internally have uh, dedicated folks who, who their main job is to look at access related issues and what we as a company can can help shed light on, um, put some of our dollars where our mouth is and, and open up access. So. Again, we do a lot of that internally. Um, we've got some dedicated positions for that specifically. Um, and then, you know, I'm wearing a Out Foundations hat. We work with um, RMEF. We work with Turkey. We work with Mealier Foundation. Uh, we work with a lot of really, really good organizations that are boots on the ground and uh, money behind the wallet to, to help open up some opportunities and increase habitat whether it be for a specific species and then other species benefit because of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool to, to work with those organizations and see kind of how they tick and how they go about their business and being a part of it. Yeah. I love that, man. Putting your money where your mouth is and doing good things for people who believe in the product. It's one more reason to stand behind it. It's not only the single greatest app ever invented, but um, also doing good work out there for, you know, people like us to keep enjoying what we're doing, man. It's just, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's been good. And uh, like I said, you know, starting out in this conversation, it, it's crazy to see how, how, how far we've gone and how big of changes have happened in the past eight and a half to nine years that I've been with the company of everybody being on the chip product. And then the app coming out, a lot of folks, even at the time, didn't have smartphones. Um, now it's pretty much like everybody's walking around with a smartphone in their pocket and, uh, downloading an app is just kind of second nature now. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see the technology advancements and then able to all the way to like what we're able to do with that. So we've increased our customer base, you know, a, a huge amount. And then again, putting some of those dollars back to conservation and access specifically is, is a key one for us. Um, at the end of the day, if we can't access public lands, if we can't access lands, not only does it put us out of business, but uh, man, that'd be a miserable, miserable world. So um, that's one of our, our key initiatives here is access. That's awesome, man. And I know we're rolling up on an hour here, but uh, <clears throat> you know, Dylan, what would you say to people who use other mapping systems? You know, what are some of your favorite unique, unique features or innovations that Onyx uses um, that kind of sets you guys apart? You know, I love, the, the offline maps, right? That's life-changing for me as a non-resident. Um, but, you know, what What are some of your favorites? Yeah, I got... Did you lose me again? You cut out again yeah. at the, at the yeah. end of that. Lost you. lost you a little bit, but I, I got the, the gist in the question. Um, honestly, like, we, we do have some great competitors. Like, the, the main thing that I would say is, like, Onyx was kind of the first one to the game. Uh, we've been doing this for a very, very long time. Um we we have a really really solid group of folks over here that have made the product to where it just works like i can rely on it out in the field and to me that's one of the most important things um you know early on in the the stages of the app i remember a time where 
you know, it was a little bit more buggy and technology wasn't quite there. And with the advancements of technology and the, the team and the money that we put into the product to, to make it stable, I mean, it just, it works and it, it doesn't let you down. So um, to me, like the reliability, like, yeah, we could dive into dozens and dozens of features and offline maps and this and that, um, a lot of which other folks out there are also doing. Um, but the reliability and usability of it are, I think, kind of what sets us apart. That's a great answer, dude, because the reliability is the first thing I noticed about it when I was tracking around, you know, up in the hills over here and using it when I was fishing and things like that. So I think that's, you know, the reliability is key. Yeah, I mean, it just it has to work like there's uh, especially like you invest a lot of time, money, effort. But like from a safety side of it, too, like I have relied solely on on the app in the dark before with a headlamp and nothing but a, a track to follow or a destination on my phone and like yes you should be well versed on compass and um you know the ability to to land nav without anything should your phone fail or should you lose it or whatever but uh safety and just everything you know you again you put a lot of money time and effort into whatever you're doing and it's just one of those tools that has to work i mean if you're going on a, a rifle hunt and you get all the way to the end of your hunt and you go to squeeze the trigger and your gun doesn't work, like there's, there's just certain pieces of, of gear that, that have to work. And in our opinion, like the phone and the mapping system is, is one of those. So that's one of the things that we, we strive for. And that's one of the most important things. Like we will always continue to add new features, new, cool, innovative, you know, 3d cool, like crazy things you can do on the map that blow people's mind. Um, but at the end of the day, like our core is just a product that is reliable and works. And like, that's, that's more important than the flashy features. And that's the key, man. And it's, it's mandatory. You got to have it, whether you're hunting in your home state or you're hunting out of state, man, you got to have it. Onyx is unbelievable, man. Not to blow too much smoke, but it's freaking, like you said, like, what's the point of, you know, don't even take your rifle, right? Like you, you got to have it, man you know, for, uh, any type of hunting you're doing. Um, so we're huge fans, man, and appreciate the work you guys are doing. Um, you know, we're, we're rolling up on an hour here, but, uh, you know, Dylan totally off topic, but what are, uh, some of your favorite recipes? What are your go-to recipes currently for some of this, uh, all this wild game you got in your freezer right now? That's a good question. Honestly, I don't know. It's a good question because it's unique. I don't know if I've been asked that before. Um, we have, we're very fortunate and have a very, very full freezer. So I shot uh, a bull last year. So I got my elk, um, two deer. My wife shot a deer and an antelope. And we had some leftover out from the previous year. Like we have a very full freezer. Um, honestly, I keep it pretty simple, man. Like I, I'm a big like steak and potatoes guy and pulling out some backstrap um, light lightly seasoning it and making sure it's medium rare. It's one of the biggest things I think people screw up with wild game specifically is uh, it's like, Oh, it's wild game. And I'm referring to family members and friends who don't hunt much. Um, but a lot of people, I think look at wild game and it's like, because it's wild game, it has to be cooked longer. Not the case unless you're dealing with like bear or mountain lion or something like that. But uh you know, they overcook it and then it starts to get gamey. So it's like barely cook that thing. And it's, that's kind of my go-to is just like simple steak. Um, you know, we do a lot of burger and steak. So like out of my elk will be strictly 
burger, steak, and roast. And then my deer and antelope is where we'll do like summer sausage, jerky, uh, pepperoni sticks, bratwurst, that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, man, we're, we're pretty set on, on meat this year. And actually it was cool cause, um, my wife wasn't going to shoot a deer this year. She, we get a deer tag every year for her and she wasn't going to, to shoot one this year. Cause it was like, man, we've got so much meat. And she's like, I don't want to just shoot a deer just to shoot it. If we don't, if we're not going to eat it. Right. Um, and her parents overheard that conversation when we were at their house visiting and they were like, we would love some deer meat to know like where the meat came from and whatever. So it's like, sweet. So she went out, shot a great buck and, uh, we gave all that meat to, to her parents and to their family. Um, so it's cool to extend that. And it's just cool. Like, you know, not buying, not needing to go to the grocery store to buy red meat and pulling it out of the, the freezer and knowing exactly like, okay, my hands are the only hands that have touched that meat from the field. I know it was a, a clean ethical shot to taking care of it properly in the field, to taking care of the meat at home, putting it in my freezer, now pulling it out and eating it as a family. Um, actually just the other night, it was a pretty cool moment. Like my son, uh, two and a half years old, we were eating some steak or whatever. And uh, he was eating it and he turned around and pointed to my bowl on the wall and he's like, like he made the connection himself. And, you know, we, we tell him before that's like why we hunt, what we do. But he like randomly made the connection of like that elk is what we're eating right now. And he was just super pumped about it. It was like, it was just a really cool moment. That's awesome. Oh, that's the best. That's the best, dude. I love it. Well, I'll have to shoot you a message after you kill that Audad man. I want to know what that tastes like. Lost you again for a sec there, Carter. Good, good. I, yeah, I wanted you to lose me. Uh, <laughs> I said I'll have to shoot you a message once you kill that Audad and let me know what it tastes like. Yeah, I've heard I've heard mixed reviews on it. I've heard, uh, you know, if you cook it right, whatever, it's not bad. Um, I've definitely heard mixed reviews. But, you know, I've heard that also about bear and lion and antelope. I mean, growing up, I had this false sense of uh, – antelope just don't taste good and antelope's like one of my favorite meats ever you just got to take care of it right away and and be diligent with it and i love eating antelope so um yeah it'll be i'm i'm also curious on on that as well i'll let you know <laughs> awesome cool man justin you got any closing thoughts for us man Oh, I got one man i think we'd be remiss not to thank dylan and the onyx crew for uh their support over here at HLE, man. Like you guys jumped in early on as a, a great partner here. And, you know, I, I know from my end for sure, I want to thank you guys. And I know we got a bunch of members that are pretty happy with you as well. So we appreciate you guys, you know, supporting what we're doing over here and we're happy to support you guys and what you're doing. So, you know, uh, thank you. Yeah, no, we, uh, we appreciate the opportunity and, and the relationship and looking forward to, uh, not only this next year, but years to come and, and building it. So yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate the conversation and catching up and everything that you guys are doing over there. Yeah, dude, let's stay in contact, survive expo season and uh, love to get on a hunt together sometime. Yeah, absolutely. We'll stay in touch. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thanks Dylan. Thanks man.